Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. Hello, fans of Takeaways. We are back for another NAOP Southern Nevada program recap. NAOP is the Association for the Commercial Real Estate Development Community. We had an excellent, excellent panel for the February program. The title was UNLV Rebels Running Real Estate. The panelists were Mark Kahn, Dean of the Kirk Kerkorian School of Medicine at UNLV, We had David Fromer, Associate Vice President of Planning, Construction, and Real Estate Business Affairs for UNLV. Frank Moretti, owner of G2 Capital Development. And the moderator that morning was none other than Bruce Fulmer, Vice President of Healthcare for Cornerstone Companies. There were 190 people live at the Orleans that morning. There was an, an additional 70 people that joined virtually. And the program sponsor, a big, big thank you to Reed Gottesman, Senior Vice President and Regional Manager for the newly branded Schnitzer Properties. He showed us such a nice video of uh, Jordan Schnitzer talking about the rebrand, the purpose behind the rebrand. So thank you very much for being a program sponsor, Reed. All right, that's it. That's the program intro. Now you're going to hear the actual audio from the actual program, from the actual panelists in its entirety here it comes. I hope you enjoy. So the first question is for David. So during the State of the University speech, uh, the president mentioned the resurrection of extending the campus, the traditional campus, across Maryland Parkway. What opportunities for development are there, and what can we expect from that master plan? Great, uh, thank you. Is everyone, is my mic on, everyone able to hear? Wonderful. I always like to start making sure I'm not saying something and no one can hear it, so good to hear. Oh, you can hear. Is that better? Oh, wow. David, that's better than saying something that no one listens to. (laughs) All too often the case. Uh, no, thank you, Bruce. Good to be here. And uh, related to the university vision and effort on Maryland Parkway, uh, it has been a long-term effort that our current president, uh, President Whitfield, has really dove into in terms of how the university can better gauge, engage the community in our development and also engage in development or partnerships or just general collaboration on the east side of Maryland Parkway. So, you know, we engage with... Uh, the development community in a variety of ways. We do purchase properties when they come up for sale and they're properties of interest that uh, we are able to acquire and have the resources and the approval or support of our board. Uh, If you are a property owner who is looking to redevelop, uh, that's something that we uh, discuss or talk to our neighbors about related to any redevelopment opportunities of existing owners of property. That's really how we came to work with Frank uh, on the Gateway Project, which has already developed and been in operations for about five years, I think, starting with the parking garage. Yeah. Uh, Frank owned that site and was looking to redevelop. We actually put out a solicitation and Frank was the only respondent in that case. So that's how we got to work with Frank. It made the selection process somewhat simple for us. And then, uh, uh, so when we develop and own, it's a more complex process, more involved, usually with solicitations. When it's a lease, uh, it's really about location, it's about connection, it's about, you know, where does the property lie, how can that lease support university's needs. Frank also happened to purchase the former promenade site, now called Campus Village. Uh, So that's another example of how we engage with private sector in terms of uh, development opportunities, be it a uh, public-private partnership type approach or a purchase or lease. Uh, And we're doing similar things uh, in the medical district as well. Uh, And then on Maryland Parkway, a few other things that uh, talk about our current engagement. We've just acquired the Run-In Rebel Plaza where uh, Chipotle, Cajinos, some very uh, fine establishments are. So we are now the owners of that uh, for a uh, long-term holding. 
and uh, we're in the process of uh, acquiring, we just received our board approval, the Public Education Foundation building on Maryland Parkway, former Lawrence Furniture for you, uh, among the old timers there like myself. So uh, a little bit about how we engage and uh, opportunities to work with the university on development, property, real estate items. Thank you. So Frank, your company is currently designing and in planning stages for 4440 uh, South Maryland Parkway. Can you discuss from your perspective working with UNLV on a public-private par uh, partnership and how that planning is going with their master plan? Absolutely, and thank you, Bruce. Um, so we, we were blessed, as Dave said, to uh, I took a chance on the old campus village, um, I'm sorry, on the old uh, uh, university plaza, and we were obviously the only ones to answer that solicitation because nobody else had real estate there or wanted to be there. But, um, you know, the campus village site, we purchased that in, I think, about four years ago, December four years ago. And we started planning. Uh, we realized that the betterment of that whole community is if we can work with the university. So we're really looking at the university uses what they need and taking a chance as a private developer to do our own development um, with student housing. We're not affiliated with the university, although we would like to be, but we're not. Um, we just, uh, you know, there's other agreements in place for student housing. So everything we do is pretty much on spec. Um, but we were able to understand the university's needs and how we can transition their uses and needs and what the students' needs are in a, into our private development. Um, we are working, uh, we do have a, a what, 50,000 foot lease already signed with the university on our 100,000 foot office building in the Campus Village project. Um, and then everything else right now we're, we're doing as spec. Um, but it's been a really good, fun journey, I guess, we would say. <laughs> yeah, but Bruce, if I may, one thing that I think, uh, if, if you've worked with public entities, and I, uh, UNLV is the first and the only public entity I've worked with, uh, there is a somewhat involved and lengthy governance process involved with these kinds of efforts and transactions, so I would say that uh, it does require some fortitude to work with public entities just because uh, we do have a fairly lengthy due diligence uh, governance and approval process uh, in terms of our uh, you know, board approvals, our financing, and uh, solicitation processes. So uh, uh, Frank's a patient man, I would offer that. Well, which anybody who knows me, I'm a very impatient person. <laughs> but for somehow I've found, I found patience with UNLV and some others. <laughs> So David, um, going back on campus, not just across the, you know, uh, outside of the actual uh, campus itself, the traditional campus, you guys have built a number of buildings over, what, the last five years, from office to residential to retail, that's really starting to transform the campus from a commuter campus to more of a traditional campus with uh, more students living on campus. How can you discuss any of the new campus buildings and any of the future ones in, coming up? Yeah, thank you, Bruce. Great question. So actually today at 3 o'clock is the uh, ceremonial groundbreaking of our new engineering building. So we're really excited about that. That's an effort. Uh, I think my first uh, effort on that has been uh, was dates back to 2013. So again, uh, patience is a virtue uh, in uh, higher education and uh, public university work. Uh, we are doing a variety of studies for new facilities in planning phase. Uh, that includes a new Lee Business School building, a new fine arts building, a new science and technology research building. Uh, the medical school, we have an awesome partner in the Nevada Health and Bioscience Asset Corporation, or NHBC. It's a group of donors who came together to support the Kokorian School of Medicine, and they are developing at the Shadow Lane campus a new Kokorian medical education building that is... Uh, almost fully privately funded and it is fully privately developed. Uh, so that's underway and will be uh, complete and occupied later this year. Um, you know, we're always looking at uh, potential for uh, things like student union facilities. The pandemic obviously created some challenges with things that uh, demand a lot of on-campus activity. We're hoping that 
comes back and being here today is a great reminder that uh, we are returning more to what we uh, expect. Uh, so those are some projects in the works with the medical school. I think we're going to be seeing uh, need for more clinical and research facilities over time. So those are on our mind. Um, I'm trying to think what other projects. We have a parking garage under construction right now. I anticipate the university will be transitioning more and more to structured parking over time so we can use our surface parking lots for other developments. So that's just a small sampling of some of the things we have going on right now. And just, to re just to reiterate, um, you know, the, the, the medical district, sort of the second campus really for, for UNLV, you know, we were um, uh, given approval to move forward with the medical school in Southern Nevada. And our, you know, mission is to care for the community. So we do that, you know, through patient care. But another part of this is economic development, right? So when we talk about the new medical education building, and I know we'll talk more about that later, we just got uh, approval for funding um, from the city for $10 million for um, a new clinical ambulatory building, which we need, and a, and a research building. So this type of uh, development, uh, you're commercial realtors, you understand this, but you know, really that area of the city is a sort of a food desert in many ways. And we're hopeful that part of our uh, mission to, to, to care for our community is also this economic development piece and to bring other businesses into the area. It's really going to be important. So kind of jumping on that with the UNLV Healthcare Campus, it includes other parts of the health uh, sciences program besides the medical school. Can you explain the other programs that are housed on that campus? Yeah, so let me go back a, just a step, Bruce. Mm -hmm. So the medical school um, was, uh, we recruited our first class in 2017 and graduated our first class last spring. But health science at UNLV is much more than that. And one of the things that we're doing is we're building out an academic health center. So what's an academic health center? Well, an academic health center are the health science schools at a university with their partner hospitals who are in a community, again, to provide that type of care that is otherwise unavailable. So when you look nationally, academic health centers are about 8% of health care, but provide about 50% of charity care. They also um, have every national trauma center, every comprehensive cancer center. That's what we want to bring to the community. So at UNLV, we have the School of Medicine. We also have the School of Dental Medicine, a School of Nursing, Integrative Health, um, and Public Health. Additionally, we have mental and behavioral health that's distributed through several colleges. Together, the six pieces are strategically planning on building what will be this community's academic health center. That's gonna be critically important. Right now, the dental school's in the medical district, the medical school is. Uh, there are some nursing students that come down for our simulation lab, but the master vision is really to someday have a health science campus where all these schools and programs work together. One of the first steps, I think, is construction of this ambulatory care building that the health science schools as a collective are going to use, again, to provide this high-quality evidence-based medicine that the community deserves. So long answer to your question. <laughs> Thank you. So the construction on the first building, which we can all see going up, of the medical school at the corner of Pinto and Shadow is, is moving quickly. What is the projected opening date of that, and what programs will actually be in that building? So that's, we're due to have occupancy end of the summer. Yeah, it'll be uh, complete for construction with FF&E going end of summer. Uh, I think you're going to occupy around uh, early fall. Right. Yeah. And that is a building um, that is going to be predominantly for medical education. So that's where our medical students are going to come to learn um, how to become doctors. Uh, we're also going to have a simulation lab because when I was a medical student, we talked about see one, do one, teach one, right? We don't do that anymore, thank God. So now what we do is we have simulators. So uh, students practice on simulators. They practice on standardized patients, which are actors. And then they actually uh, do, th uh, then they actually work with actual patients. So simulation is in that room, is in that building. We also have a facility for cadaveric dissection. Uh, and we have modern classrooms. You know, 
when I was a medical student, I sat in class many hours a day, and that just doesn't happen anymore, right? So if I do give a lecture, students are going to just record it and listen to it at double time in their pajamas at home. I know that. So we flip the classroom. So we just give them the lectures recorded, let them do that. And when you come to class, it's interactive. It's a flipped classroom. You apply knowledge. You work in teams. And this new building is actually actually has space specifically designed with that purpose. So this is really where we're going to educate the next generation of physicians, hopefully for Southern Nevada, that's our mission. Um, clinical uh, facilities, again, that's, that's really phase two or phase three. So there's two more buildings planned for that site where the medical school is going, the, you know, the formal Clark County Health District site. What will be the uses in those two buildings as they come up? So one of the things, as I said, we desperately need is a place. So a lot of healthcare, things that used to be done in the hospital are now being done in an outpatient setting. We need to be forward thinking. So we need to have a facility where we can do ambulatory surgery. We need to have a facility where we can do outpatient procedures. We need to have a facility where we can provide mental health care. And we need to have a facility, again, where we can really train the next generation of physicians. So building two is this ambulatory building, ambulatory surg surgery building. Building three is a modern research building. Um, UNLV. Uh, is in the highest category, the top 3% of universities for research. But we need space to bring in new researchers to develop more research at the university. And for that, we're really going to need a research building, and that's building three. So Frank, you've got an agreement with the city and with UNLV to develop uh, parts of the healthcare campus, uh, including a parking structure. Can you kind of explain some of the uses that you're looking at putting in right over there in that area? Absolutely. Uh, we, so currently our schematic design uh, includes about a six-story medical office building that will have uh, various uses from an ambulatory center privately, um, some surgery centers, uh, general medical office. Uh, we are in pre-leasing talks with, uh, for some quick care uh, uses, dialysis. Um, and adjacent to that, to the, to the south of that, we have a hotel plan. It'll be about a 100-room uh, branded hotel. We haven't picked the brand yet, but it will be catered towards the medical uses. Uh, some recovery rooms uh, are going to be designed in that hotel so that when people come in for a surgery or an outpatient surgery, they can recover and then not be in the hospital per se. Uh, we are in communications with UMC and uh, looking at some of their uses that they have some overflow on as well as some other uh, just market tenants, if you will. Um, our garage right now is rather it seems to be growing by the week. Um, <laughs> I don't somehow I uh, found myself in the garage business, but um, there's a lot of need for parking, and uh, we definitely are looking at how we're going to accommodate the inquiries and people that want spaces. Uh, in addition to that, we are going to be uh, most likely in our phase two. Uh, looking at residential, we're, we're already looking at it. We may include it in our phase one development, uh, but we do plan on doing somewhere between 60 and 100 uh, beds or small studio units uh, in the district at some point. And just an aside, you know, Charleston is being widened and modified all the way from basically Main Street up to uh, Rancho right now. Rancho is going to be improved as well and widened. And there's a couple of apartment projects that are coming up as well as there'll be some retail that will show up as well. So there's going to be an appreciable amount in probably the next four to five years of residential apartments that are going to come in to support that area. And then obviously the retail will follow. So Dr. Khan, one, you know, you mentioned earlier that the medical school and the healthcare campus is not just designed for the Las Vegas Medical District. It's for the community wide. Um, also, a lot of people don't realize that you're probably the second largest practice of physicians 
in the state. So how does the medical school and the healthcare campus really help out the rest of the valley as well? So when you, um, again, when you look at some of the things that academic health centers do, uh, we talked about charity care, but the other thing that they do is they provide care um, and technologies that are otherwise not available in the community. So let me give an example. When you look at oncology care in Las Vegas, it's fragmented. Um, there are 51 National Cancer Institute designated comprehensive cancer centers in the United States, okay? And these are the top places to get cancer care, and you can name some of them. We, we hear about MD Anderson, we hear about uh, City of Hope, we hear about uh, Mayo Clinic, and you know I trained at one of these at the University of Pennsylvania, but that technology is just not available in the entire state. So people will leave the state for oncologic care. We could build a comprehensive cancer center, but it's gonna take a long time. It's gonna take probably 15 years if we did this in earnest. So one of the things we're doing is we're looking to partner with a comprehensive cancer center who's willing to come work with us at UNLV to bring that level of care to our community. So that's one example. Second example might be solid organ transplant. You know, we harvest more livers per capita for transplant, yet our state has never done a single liver transplant. Let that sink in a little bit. We have a population of two and a half million people and you can't get a liver transplant here. You can't get a pancreas transplant here either. These are two of the things that an academic health center will bring to this community, something that this community quite frankly deserves and has deserved for a long time. And the other thing I would like to touch on is that with the medical school uh, educating all of these physicians, just from primary care all the way throughout, you know, your school and your practice management uh, group, you know, you are spread all throughout the city and all, all throughout the county, actually, providing care for, you know, most people. So, yeah, could you kind of expand on that in the way that you also help the community on just the primary care for some of the, you know, the lower income uh, groups. Yeah, so again, you know, as I said before, our primary mission, the reason we exist is to care for the community. Um, you know, we take care of patients. Our primary teaching hospital is UMC, so we take care of the entire community regardless of ability to pay. With the pandemic, we were the first to do curbside testing. We tested everyone regardless of ability to pay. We um, were the probably the third city in the country to be able to give convalescent plasma potential treatment for COVID early on. I'm a hematologist, so I, that was important to me that we got that set up. And then we really you know, led, the, led the community in vaccinations with vaccinating over 178,000 people, again, regardless of, of, of one's ability to pay. Our further um, work in the community, we're working with Clark County School District. We're gonna set up um, some school-based clinics. Um, we are going to also set up some after-school programs on health education. And finally, we're going to very soon open up a Saturday clinic that will be open to every member in the community, regardless of ability to pay. That's our mission. That's how we care for the community. We're also in the community educating and you know, you touched on something, and that is we need doctors in Southern Nevada. We are short in every specialty except for plastic surgery. No, no offense to plastic surgery. But, <laughs> but um, that's the only specialty that we're not short. So we need to train doctors that are going to stay here. When we admit students, we look for people who are from Nevada or have a very close connection. About 98% of our students are actually from Nevada. Um, we want to make it attractive for them to stay. Um, but the truth is, is that doctors are most likely to practice where they do residency and we're dramatically short in residence for this state. Dramatically short. There's some, because residents are funded by Medicare and Medicaid. We're, the um, Build Back Better 
Act uh, allows for a thousand more residency positions to be funded in the United States, and we're working on our application now because we need need these residents. We need to expand that. But you know, 36% of our first graduating class stayed in Nevada for training. I wish it were higher, but remember, we don't even have training in every specialty here. So you gotta go out of state if you wanna train in things like dermatology, for example, or urology, and we can go down the list. So we need to bring all that, and again, addressing community needs is gonna be really important to us. We know we have an aging population, that's what we need to address, and we need to be training doctors and other healthcare providers and uh, really to care for our population. Thank you. So David, the Harry Reid Tech Park out in the Southwest, what kinds of innovation and entrepreneurship development have you seen there? There's companies like Intel, Adobe, and others that have kind of made their first footprint into Las Vegas that's going on. What do you see happening out there now and in the future? Yeah, yeah thank you, Bruce. Uh, uh, we're very proud of that property. That's actually a property that is overseen and managed by a private nonprofit foundation who has its own trustee board. It's called the UNLV Research Foundation. Uh, they've done remarkable things at that property. Uh, Bo Bernhardt is our vice president of economic development at UNLV, and he is probably one of the most active people I've ever seen in terms of economic development activities at the university. Uh, there's probably not 18 seconds that goes by that I don't see a LinkedIn post of Bo lauding the newest uh, partner or innovation going on in our research park. Uh, the institute that's been developed there so far is called Blackfire uh, at UNLV, uh, and it's really an entity that is working on economic development and innovation in the community. So they've partnered, I want to say, with well over 100 companies who have a footprint or a collaboration at that site. And uh, they're looking at things like innovations in hospitality, uh, gaming, uh, food service. Uh, we're in the process now of putting in a uh, dining and kitchen facility uh, in that building to work on innovations in that area. I've toured it and uh, they have some really cool technologies. One was uh, where they, instead of laundering sheets in a hotel room, which you could imagine takes a heck of a lot of uh, water and detergent and transportation, uh, they're, they're prototyping a system where the sheets are actually broken down into pellets and then reformulated to create new sheets that are fully uh, kind of sanitized. So it's almost like a regeneration process. Uh, so they're really doing Imagine some, how cool that is yeah. in the, for hospitals. Yeah. I mean, really, that's probably the future. Absolutely. And so I think uh, they're doing some amazing things there, and I think there's a bright uh, development future out there. We do have a development partner, or the Research Foundation does have a development partner out there, Gardner uh, Companies, uh, who works on uh, developing that campus. Uh, I believe the last development there, or the first building, uh, EVA Advance over here was uh, uh, the design uh, architect on that, or the architect, and uh, Burke Construction was the contractor. So again, I think trying to engage local businesses and uh, local community members, and I highly encourage anyone interested to contact Bo. He's a very available person. He is very happy to set up tours of that facility, perhaps even for the NAOP group uh, as a uh, activity. It's really something exciting to see. And on a personal note, Bo's a good friend of mine, and I know for a fact he just does not sleep. Um, so, Frank, you're developing the narrative out there. So, obviously, that is not a project that is a public-private partnership. How is it the differences of developing that compared to dealing with the stuff that you've done in and around the campuses? I'm not sure where to begin. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, redevelopment is certainly, uh, if you haven't done it, you might want to think twice. No, um, it's, it's super rewarding, um, toughest projects ever, I think, just because you have so many variables where when you're doing a beltway development or a green development, um, you know, you come in, put a piece of land in escrow, you can plan it out, you're not working with private-public entities. Um, and logistically, it's just a lot easier to uh, build from virgin dirt versus tearing buildings out and dealing with EPA issues and, and different things. 
I think for us, um, I really enjoy the uh, more complicated projects. I think they're more rewarding in the end, knowing what we're doing in Maryland Parkway and over to Medical District. In 10 years from now, when we look at it, we feel that Maryland Parkway is going to be a much better place. We feel the university is going to have a much higher uh, retention and, and more attraction based on that infill development. But there's definitely challenges, to say the least. Um, but they've been enjoyable at the end of the day. Um, to kind of circle back to Maryland Parkway, um, I think in one of our conversations, we had you you mentioned that the tenant mix that you had to do on the retail was a little different from what you would traditionally do because you know the students have a different outlook on what they want versus what you would traditionally put in is can you kind of expand on that a little bit on how it's kind of unique dealing with that student population lots of aspect? ramen noodles <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're actually looking for a ramen restaurant right now um, ironically enough um, so, so yeah so to the point um, typically I we have a 20,000 square foot uh, roughly 20,000 feet of retail on our ground level of University Gateway and uh, we have almost all restaurants. Um, we have one bank, which is American First Credit Union. Um, typically, I'd like to have closer to a 50-50 mix of restaurants versus non-restaurants. But clearly, in that area right now where we're at, the food services are really popular. They're able to pay the higher rents. And with type 1 construction, which is just frankly a lot higher than type 5 or wood frame stucco, uh, you know, you, ha you have to be able to get the rents to make your, your returns. Um, so uh, it's interesting. We've, we've really observed over this last couple years with our retail, and including through the pandemic, uh, we had two uses, uh, Crumble Cookie and Brew Tea Bar open up right in the middle of the pandemic. And it was really eye-opening to watch those two uh, tenants open, but not only open, never ask for a concession, never miss a rent payment, never complain because they just flourished through the pandemic, which is amazing to me, who pays $50 for six cookies. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we had, you know, we had more traditional tenants that really did struggle. But, um, and, it, and it's kind of neat to watch how, uh, you know, I think if we were in Summerlin or, or uh, Green Valley or, or around the peripheral, the, those tenants, I'm not sure how they would do, but because they have that younger demographic, um, they just attract themselves to you know paying ten dollars for a cup of tea. Interesting, David. Out in North Las Vegas, you've got two thousand acres that you guys have owned for approximately twenty years. Out by it's now. You know, you bought it when it was there was nothing out there. Now I215 and and Lamb are right at your doorstep. What are some of the ideas, and what we what would we expect to happen in the future out there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, Bruce. Uh, we actually don't own it yet. We have what's called a reservation on it. So uh, there is a it's a formerly used defense site out there. This is just across from the VA hospital in North Las Vegas on the north side of the 215. Uh, 2,009 acres, so a large parcel of land. Uh, the process it's going through for mediation through the Army Corps of Engineers, we're projecting it may be available for transfer in 2024. So uh, one of the conditions we have in the transfer is it has to be remediated before we take it, because obviously taking on a property as a formerly used defense site that is not remediated comes with a whole lot of risks and a whole lot of costs that uh, the university couldn't bear. Uh, we're very excited about it. I was very excited to hear Mayor Lee in the audience. We've been working with North Las Vegas for many years. We did a master plan on that property back in 2006, uh, which was uh, one of my projects back in the day, in my earlier days at UNLV. But when you think about 2009 acres, and for context, the Maryland campus is about 350 acres. So it's about six times the size of our Maryland campus, a huge piece of land. Uh, we've worked very closely with 
the city of North Las Vegas with Nellis Air Force Base, which is a neighbor. And we really see that as an opportunity for a campus that complements the Maryland campus. So occasionally a rumor sneaks out there that UNLV is planning on moving our campus out to the 2009 acres. We're not moving the campus. We intend to develop another campus. Uh, we've got a huge investment and a huge stake in the campus we have on Maryland Parkway, which we are fully committed to. Uh, we will have the same commitment to the North uh, Las Vegas campus, but I think it's gonna be a mix of traditional campus activities, the undergraduate activities that you see with classrooms and unions and you know housing. Uh, and then because of the size of the land, it presents some real great opportunities for things like large scale research projects where a large parcel of land. So that could be related to renewable energy, it could be related to transportation, uh, where you need large parcels of land to undertake those kinds of research activities. We also have to be mindful that we are next to an Air Force base that is a very active Air Force base and a major important part of the community. So we're looking to be complementary with the Air Force activities. And North Las Vegas has designated the area just west of the campus across Pecos as an economic development zone. So we see a lot of opportunity for public-private partnerships at that campus as well. Something we haven't really explored in detail, but I think presents an opportunity for uh, my colleagues at the School of Med at the Kokorian School of Medicine is it is across from the VA hospital. So I think naturally we may also look for some health sciences partnerships. The VA is an awesome organization. They do great work. They have a very high standard of care for their population. So uh, that's an opportunity as well. But it's going to be a little while yet because again, getting the uh, remediation done and then the infrastructure and then certainly the capital development including the funding methodologies is going to take a little time but I would say this it's it's an amazing opportunity not many higher education institutions get an opportunity to develop a 2,000 acre campus from scratch well at this time I'd like to open it up for the uh, questions so apparently we need one second for all right <laughs> We're a little light on questions. Okay. So, kind of circling back to the um, medical school campus and the healthcare campus, obviously, you know, the traditional um, Las Vegas Medical District is uh, bordered by Alta, Rancho, Charleston, and I-215, or I-15, sorry. What are the uses that, besides restaurants, we need some, obviously, we need to have some more residential in the way of multifamily going into that area to support everything that's there. The city has projected that there are gonna be a number of jobs that are gonna be created in that area. Dr. Khan, can you kind of expand a little bit on what those economic impacts and those jobs that are going to be created in that community right there in particular? Yeah, so, you know, when you uh, build out an academic um, health center, in addition to faculty, physician, nurses, physical therapists, um, uh, and the like, there's also going to be a need for researchers, lab technicians, um, and really a variety of, of, of high-paying jobs. So I guess it was a trip Umbach report that uh, predicted an economic impact of the medical school alone. And David, remind me what that number was. It was one, was it one and a half billion dollars? I, I think it was in that range, yes. Yeah. So, so, you know, th these, this is an important economic driver. Again, for health science, we want to care for our community by providing health care but we also want to be an economic driver and help to diversify the economy as well. You know, one of the things that we haven't talked about is, you know, that the, the whole biotechnology um, industry that, you know, exists in California and some other places. As industries leave California, we need to put up a big net to catch them. You know, that's really what we need to do. We now have a medical school. We have health sciences. We have favorable tax structure. We have land. You know, and we just have to really be um, on top of things so we get people to stop here before they go to Texas or Utah or somewhere else. They got to stop here. So, on that same note, the traditional campus 
there are you know all the different schools that you know we've we've concentrated a lot on the medical school and the healthcare campus. What are some of the exciting things that are being done and expanding at the traditional campus that is going to ultimately continue to drive development around that? Yeah, yeah thank you, Bruce. So uh, there is a goal that uh, has been stated to grow our enrollment. Right now, UNLV has an enrollment of about 31,000 student on a headcount basis. Uh, the long-term target is to grow that to 40,000 students, so a pretty significant growth trajectory. Uh, higher ed has been hit like many other or most other industries during the pandemic, uh, especially since the experience went virtual for a good part of it. Uh, so that's an aggressive goal, and uh, the demographics in Nevada have generally been favorable to continue to see some growth opportunities for higher education enrollment, which is not the same in every state. In fact, a lot of states are seeing some retrenchment in higher education enrollment. So uh, that growth in students, I think, uh, really is across the board between fine arts and business and engineering, social sciences, health sciences, all of those areas. And I think uh, we're going to see all of those programs with potential for program growth. In terms of the development of the neighborhood around UNLV, and UNLV participates directly in some items, but other items we look to the private sector to uh, look at the opportunities and see if they can develop for things that a higher education university uh, may not be the ideal developer for. So I think things like uh, food service, uh, hospitality, hotels, uh, some entertainment venues, uh, certainly residential to supplement some of the student-focused housing, are all items that we would see as part of the development of a university district uh, connected to and surrounding UNLV. And, and you know, when you look at um, impact, right? So the journal Science, very well-respected journal, publishes every year the top 10 discoveries. And two of them came from UNLV. I mean, it's astounding. You know, one of them had to do with galaxies and quasars, and forgive me, I don't understand it any more than that. But the other one I understand, and that is that scientists at UNLV figured out a way to do superconducting at room temperature. You know, that has the potential to revolutionize the computer industry, the en energy industry, and this is happening right here, right? So we need to, again, have facilities to get more of those types of discoveries coming out of um, our community and the jobs that they produce directly benefit our community. And, and to balance back to the Las Vegas Medical District uh, and, and Dean Khan's comments, you know, there's a wide range of folks who support health sciences, clinical services, you know, from the world-renowned surgeon all the way to the lab techs. So I think you have to think about the medical district and the opportunities for development and things like housing and dining and service and retail. That's really accessible to a wide range of those types of individuals who are part of that industry and part of that community. Uh, the whole thing needs to be successful. So from workforce housing to luxury housing and everything in between is really important in that Las Vegas medical district area. Dan, you have a question? Yes, there was a question about, you discussed the need for university-owned ambulatory surgical centers, but you're delivering a private one. What is the plan for a public partnership or a private partnership? You kind of touched on it earlier, but they kind of want to know more. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I fully understand the question. The, uh, certainly for the medical school building, the uh, NHBC is delivering for the Kokorian uh, Medical Education Building. That's a public-private partnership. It's actually a no-cost lease of a building by UNLV that will ultimately be owned by UNLV. The structure for this first ambulatory care facility is not dialed in quite yet, but I think we see that as a public-private partnership that would ultimately be operated and managed by UNLV Health, which is the clinical arm of the Kirkakorian School of Medicine. So that next project is intended to be a public-private partnership operated and potentially ultimately owned by a public entity or their clinical arm. And then, Frank, you can take the rest of the question. Yeah, so I, th I think that maybe the confusion is we have two ambulatory centers we're speaking of. So in, in our project, uh, we are in talks with UMC where they want to do an out, uh, an external ambulatory center 
uh, as a tenant. Um, and we've also had some talks with some private doctor groups that are looking at doing some surgery centers in that building. So they wouldn't have a relationship with the UNLV School of Medicine per se at this point. We haven't had any discussions um, for any of our uses to be involved with UNLV. Um, so that's where our private would be. Is there any time frame on breaking ground for the UNLV hotel in the medical school area? Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so our timeline right now, we go in front of Board of Regents on March 4th, I believe, next week or the week after. Um, and then we have another meeting, I think, uh, for approvals in June or July, right? Correct. Yeah. So our, our goal is hopefully to be able to break ground in uh, late Q4 of uh, 2022. Uh, we have to do a little, we have to do some repositioning. So we, we have to take some buildings down, uh, build some parking prior to going vertical, but late, late 2022. Is there an update on the degree, the grad student housing? Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, the degree is in operations. It's been in operations, I believe, for three years. Uh, that project, for those who aren't familiar, it's the former University Park Apartments at the northwest corner of Maryland Parkway and Cottage Grove Avenue. Uh, and there was a redevelopment of the, that property. Some existing uh, units that date back to the uh, 1970s were refreshed and renovated. Uh, that's called the Legacy. Uh, and then the degree is the new property, uh, five-story, 760-bed uh, property. That's a public-private partnership where UNLV acquired the land. And then we have a, an agreement with a developer to finance, develop, and operate that property. Uh, so that property has been in operation. The occupancy has been very strong. It's been very well received by the occupants, as I understand it. And uh, it. it in total, between the new product at the degree and the renovated project at the Legacy, that added 1,000 beds of housing. Uh, it probably netted about 800 uh, new beds, 1,000 beds of student housing to the community, which you know, is a nice number. Uh, for context, UNLV had 1,800 beds of housing on our on-campus project uh, product uh, managed by a third-party entity, AVS Group. Uh, the degree was developed by the Midby Company, so the degree added about 40% more capacity to student housing, which uh, is a pretty, a pretty good number, in addition to private sector projects like uh, the U District. Yeah, and, and to add to that, so uh, the University Gateway Project are, are the U Apartments, as well as uh, speaking on behalf of, well, in general, uh, ECHO 1055, the uh, student housing project to the south of campus. Um, all of us, uh, at least on the updates I receive, all of us are running in the high 90% occupancy, even through uh, with campus still being, what, 60-40 right now, I think. Um, we only have on our property, I think we have five or six beds available as of today or yesterday, um, which just shows the demand uh, for you know a higher end product or a lower end product. There's huge demand for student housing. Students do want to be around their university, but they also want to feel a sense of place. So you know our new project campus village, we're bringing on another 800 and 810 beds, give or take in a 15-story tower, um, and there's, a, there's another phase plan for the, the, the U district, I'm sorry, uh, the degree area. So I think uh, we're gonna see a lot of new housing, and I, I believe there's probably, I think we could handle at least another 1,000 to 1,500 beds in the immediate future. We have a good timely question. with the groundbreaking of the new engineering building and the surge of construction in Las Vegas, is UNLV also doing a greater investment in construction engineering, construction management, all the related products? Uh, yeah, great question. So uh, construction management is a part of the School of Engineering, and I know that they've been growing that program, and there's certainly demand in the community. Uh, so we have a very active and uh, uh, expanding construction management and engineering, which includes the engineering disciplines. Uh, we have a School of Architecture at UNLV for uh, 
to uh, replenish and to provide capacity for need for architectural services. So yes, part of the campus growth plan is to graduate more construction managers, more architects, more engineers for the industry. And being an architect myself, uh, which I uh, state proudly and a former adjunct faculty at the School of Architecture. Uh, it's, uh, they're great programs and I think uh, they've uh, really developed some really wonderful graduates for the community. This could be a little speculation, but you may know stuff. It could be David and Frank, but with the proximity to Nellis Air Force Base in the North Las Vegas property, will there be some defense contractor, um, whether the U.S. government or private business? Is that a natural? I would say, uh, can't guarantee anything like that, but it's a great point that, again, we have neighbors out there between the city of North Las Vegas and Nellis and whatever private industry develops. So uh, whether it's uh, defense contracting research and development uh, with uh, that industry or uh, health sciences with the VA, I think we are very open and excited about the potentials that campus could bring based on where it's situated and the neighbors around us. Here's a question for the dean. How do Medicare, Medicaid reimbursement rates impact our ability to attract doctors and medical practices? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So we have, um, you know, it's challenging here, right? It's challenging. Um, the um, reimbursement rates by uh, third-party payers are lower than in other markets I, I've experienced, and Medicaid is also a very uh, low payer. Um, you know, as a dean of a medical school, you know, you have three or four missions, um, community engagement, research, education, and clinical care. And the only one of those missions that makes any margin is clinical care. So it's challenging, and I think it's going to take time uh, and effort to improve those things. But I would offer that as we bring services to the community that aren't here, um, we're going to have to see a change in reimbursement rates. And I think that the community, quite frankly, is going to demand the care, so that will give the impetus for some of that change. But it is one of the things that makes it difficult to attract physicians here. That's really right on target. Well, at this time, um, Reed's going to come up and finish up, but we'd like to thank you on behalf of NAOP for your time and all of the insight that you've given uh, on the university as, and also around the university. So thank you very much. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Mark David Frank, I think we're, we're all a little bit smarter uh, leaving here than when we got here. Bruce, great job as the moderator. And uh, everyone, uh, have a great day. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways Podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.